Welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. My name is Jody Lima, and on this twice-monthly podcast, posted on the first and third Monday of each month, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts about their own favorite children's books. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Dee Dee Cummings. Uh, Dee Dee is author of the Kayla, A Modern Day Princess series of books, and we're going to be talking about those books as well as her work as CEO for the Makeaway Media Company. And we're also going to have a discussion about Dee Dee's favorite book, Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. But before we get to all that, I want to let you know, once again, that if you're interested in participating in the Dream Gardens podcast, please send me a request through my contact page at jleemott.com. You can also go there to check out all the other Dream Gardens podcasts, or if you want to know more about my own work as an author, you can go to my author website at jodyleemott.com. And finally, if you like what you hear today, please link, share, comment, write a review, or subscribe. Please let me know what you think. My guest today is Dee Dee Cummings. Dee Dee Cummings is a family therapist, founder of the Louisville Book Festival in Kentucky, and CEO of Makeaway Media. She is also author of several books for children, including the Kayla, A Modern Day Princess series of books that we're going to be talking about today. You can find more information about Dee Dee at deedeecummings.com. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Dee Dee. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, you have these uh, series of books that just came out, Kayla, A Modern Day Princess. Uh, there's five books in the series. Can you talk a little bit of what these books are? I, uh, I write children's books, and um, throughout my whole career as an author, I have specialized in writing stories with diverse characters, specifically Black characters, but definitely characters um, with other types of diversities as well. And uh, I am really excited about this latest series, Kayla, A Modern Day Princess, because it is inspired by my daughter. And so I, I've gotten to use my specialty in diverse characters. And also because I'm a therapist, I also incorporate a lot of uh, coping skills for kids seamlessly throughout the story. So it doesn't feel like they're being taught, but maybe if they're having a bad day, they'll remember some of the things that the characters in the books did that helped make their day a little bit better. But I'm really excited about this latest series because it's inspired by my daughter, who I predicted would be a Broadway star. Uh, I just knew that she was working so hard and um, that eventually she would end up on a Broadway stage. Uh, but she's been a musical theater actress for a long time. And uh, that's just such an awesome dream. I always tell people that's kind of like someone's son going to the NFL. I mean, it just doesn't happen a lot. And just this week, uh, I'm a little, um, I don't know how to explain it. I'm not as, as crystal clear in my answers as I usually am because I'm really overwhelmed this week because just this week, she actually did make her Broadway debut. In fact, last night, in, in, uh, this is March 2022, um, and she actually made her Broadway debut in the, an original Broadway production called Paradise Square. So uh, I'm just giddy. I'm beside myself. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but um, it's yeah, it's hard to talk about the books that are inspired by her because this is just really surreal that um, it, it really happened. And books sometimes really do come true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's like, is it, you know, art inspiring life or life inspiring art or a little bit of both? But yeah, I wrote these books about a little, you know, feisty black girl who follows her dreams. And uh, as you can imagine, 
in the world of musical theater. There are just so many roadblocks that are thrown in uh, any performer's way, but definitely when you have a performer of color and just the fact that she actually did it, um, she followed her dreams and and it happened. It's uh, it's it's definitely been a whirlwind this week. I know you said you know you, you were in, definitely inspired by your, your your daughter's story in creating this book. When did the idea of you know that you know her story would make a great book for children that this is something that would be really you know that I could share with children to have it meaningful life? Where did where did that idea come from? That's a really interesting question because throughout my um, career as a family therapist. Um, one of the hardest things I guess it's been for me personally to deal with is to see people's dreams be derailed and just to see the things, all the things in life that cause people to give up on what it is they want to do. And sometimes I'll have a whole family in my office and um, one of the kids will have what kind of seems to be a silly or outlandish dream. Like a child might say she wants to be a butterfly, but if you really nurture that dream and what it is she really wants to do, maybe the real source or context of the dream is that she wants to fly. And so what can you do with that dream without saying that's silly? You know, get your head out of the clouds. That's that's dumb. Um, and I've actually heard people talk to kids like that. And if you really nurtured that dream, could that child become a pilot? It's it's very disheartening to see people lose the, the spark and the, the magic, really, that makes dreams come true. And so that um, happens to us somewhere between childhood and adulthood. And so I wanted to write these books for kids so that as they're growing up, they remember that their dreams are not silly and that big dreams um, are scary. Um, but big dreams are a good thing and big dreams do come true every day. I think so many adults forget that uh, children's are imagination are their way of looking at the world and trying to figure it out and make sense of it. And encouraging that helps them to kind of expand, you know, their ideas about what are possibilities or what yes. the world really is. And it isn't just, uh, it isn't make believe. It's really looking at the world and trying to figure it out. Yes, definitely. Uh, can you share part of the book with us? Oh, yes, I'd be happy to. So there uh, are five parts in this series, and they're all called Kayla, A Modern Day Princess, but books two through five have subtitles. So book number five is the uh, last book in the picture book series, and it's called A Little Magic, which is actually a nickname that we have for my daughter. Um, and it's called A Little Magic because I think that parents raise children and they give them all the skills that they need to go out into the world but not only will they need those really practical down to earth skills that parents know that they're instilling in their children, but sometimes they'll need a little magic too. And I think parents give their children that all along. They just don't always know that. So I'll read an excerpt from book five called A Little Magic. And also um, throughout this series, the characters grow up together so kids can read this series and watch uh, the Kayla character and her friends grow up and handle challenges uh, in their life. So this last book is uh, when Kayla and Tommy are in college and they're about to graduate from college and they come home and Tommy is feeling a little defeated because Tommy has also has a dream that everyone says that Tommy can't do. So this is Kayla talking to Tommy. That is what they want, Tommy. They want you to give up just because you're doing something they have never seen before. 
When people are uncomfortable, they can do crazy things. That's all about them, even though it feels like it's about you. If you give up, they win. If you follow your dreams, we win. Tommy thought back to when the boys in the neighborhood were skeptical about playing football, especially Kayla's brother, Anthony. However, when they played on the same high school team, Anthony was one of Tommy's best teammates. I know the idea of a female football player is new and people have not seen that before. It is hard now, but it will get better, Tommy hoped out loud. The exact same thing happened to my grandma. She was the first black girl to go to her high school. People were really awful to her, but it got better over time. She took comfort in knowing that being a black student in that school would make it easier for those who came after her. She knew she had to be brave and blaze the trail for others. Tommy, you are a trailblazer. So that's just an example of a conversation um, that I hope that children will carry with them as they go through life and that they will remember um, these kinds of words, these kinds of discussions and these kinds of dilemmas when someone tells them that their dream can't happen because they don't fit in some box. I should say also that these are illustrated by Charlene Mosley, correct? I think all the books? Yes. And I'm wondering, what was the um, process of uh, working with the illustrator and creating these books? You make the text and then uh, the illustration. So you have Because uh, I know it, it varies for picture books. Sometimes there's a, a definite uh, a collaborative relationship, and sometimes it's very separate. How was it uh, between you and um, uh, Charlene, that uh, working process? Well, I always like to tell people first how we met because I'm an indie author and um, it's sometimes hard to find an illustrator uh, as an indie author. And I met Charlene after I saw another book that she illustrated um, that was posted on Twitter and just on a chance. And I loved her artwork and just on a chance I reached out to her and she was available. And so we actually worked on two other picture books before we worked on this series together, and it's very interesting working with her. She is a true artist. She makes all kinds of painting on paintings on canvas, and she has a studio uh, gallery show coming up very soon in in California where she lives. But it's it's fun working with her. She's got a great mind. She's very engaging and creative. Uh, I just really feel like. Uh, the picture books that I have published over the past couple of years w just wouldn't have been the same if it wasn't for Charlene. So I'm very fortunate to have found her. And um, most of the time I tell Charlene what my vision looks like in my head and she'll sketch out a couple of things and ask me, is this, you know, is this kind of what you can see? Um, and once she does that and I see that we're on the same page, then she pretty much takes the story and runs with it. And I don't, I'm not sure if you got copies of the books or not, but oh, they're they're just gorgeous. I mean, they're I can't even explain how how happy I am with uh, her work and how fortunate I am to have found her. I know it's uh, I'm I have no artistic uh, background myself, so I can't, I can't draw worth anything. But I I I do appreciate good art when I see it. I can't tell you why, <laughs> you know, something is good, but it's sort of thing. You know, you know it when you like it, but I can't I couldn't for the life of me tell you why something works and uh, something does it. But that, this definitely works. Um, I mentioned earlier that you're a CEO of Makeaway Media. Can you talk a little bit of uh, first what that is and how it got started? 
Makeaway Media is primarily a publishing company. It's really the vehicle that I use to publish my books, but we do a lot of other things too. We hold workshops and we do author coaching. So uh, now we help other people make sure that their books are ready to go to publishing and kind of walk them through those steps because publishing can be a very complicated world when you're just starting out. But primarily we uh, publish diverse children's literature, and we promote media images, positive media imagery that it, a lot of children don't always get to see. For example, the story of a Black princess is, is not a typical or a, you know, a usual story. And whenever I bring that up, a lot of times people will say that Disney had a Black princess, but Disney has uh, probably more than 20 princesses of other colors. So I'm not really... <laughs> you know, impressed when people say, well, there was one. Um, so I'm very proud that Makeaway Media gets to promote a lot of imagery that kids are still, even in 2022, aren't used to seeing. And how did it get started? What was it that sort of um, inspired you said, I, this is something I want to create and make happen? I didn't really set out to do this or to even, you know, start Makeaway Media, but it really grew from my career as a therapist. I actually, I actually was a child protective service worker. And uh, because I saw such extreme injustice in the family court system, I wanted to become an attorney. So I was a CPS worker during the day and an attorney and going to law school at night. And um, family court is just such a, a, a tough system to work in that by the time I finished law school, I really didn't want to go back into family court. I wanted nothing else to do with court. It's just really, uh, and it, you can ask anybody who's been there and they'll tell you to stay away from it, <laughs> whether you're personally involved or professionally involved. But, but I'd gotten a master's degree before I went to law school and I found out that with that, I could become a therapist. And that work is very similar to being a lawyer. You're still helping people. You're still solving problems. And I was able to help people who were still coming into contact with family court um, from a different angle. And so as I started working with kids, um, I realized that a lot of kids that are involved in the court system are kind of tired of telling their story, but they would write about their story. Um, and so I started using writing um, in therapy, especially uh, encouraging children to write down the details of, you know, what their experiences were, what had happened to them in life. And it was really encouraging and highly engaging for them to uh, figure out that they kind of get to write their last chapters. Like other people don't say who they are. They get to say who they are and where they're going. And when I saw how empowering that was for children, I started doing that myself. So it all kind of just really evolved organically. It really wasn't something that I set out to do. And um, when I published my first book, I decided to call the company that published the book Makeaway Media because I just felt like throughout my life, that is exactly what I have done. I've always found a way. I've always made a way to uh, make my dreams come true also. And so uh, that's how Makeaway Media was founded, just by working with kids on their stories. And then I started writing my own. And then from that, I started doing all kinds of stuff with books. So I started publishing diverse books. I started publishing books with coping skills and therapeutic interventions for children. And then we went on to found the Louisville Book Festival because 
my hometown, Louisville, Kentucky, did not have a book festival. And I'm not sure if you've ever been to one, but, you know, they're really amazing, cool events. And so you've got these cities with these gigantic book festivals like Boston Book Festival or San Antonio Book Festival, and Louisville didn't have one. Um, So it's just kind of really interesting to watch all that unfold, too, and um, just develop this deep, rich love of storytelling and to um, make that happen on a citywide level right here where I live. Are there other um, projects that either yourself or through Makeaway Media that are in the works? Uh, yes, I. My goal is to. I'm hoping that an entire generation of children will fall in love with these Kayla books. And so Charlene and I started off with the picture books, but right now we have a um, a chapter book. So we're writing the same storyline with greater detail for an older audience. So I'm hoping little kids will fall in love with the picture books. Um, and then the next level uh, reader will fall in love with the uh, chapter books. And um, currently we are working on finishing a script because we actually want to turn this story into a Broadway show. Um, and that is probably the biggest dream I've ever had. I mean, it is not easy by any means to take a show to Broadway and, uh, uh, people will tell you it takes, you know, eight to 10 years to get a show on Broadway. So it's not a small goal. It's not an easy goal, but I, I feel like it's the next uh, step. Um, so all of our efforts are going into this next level of uh, series or uh, reading level in our series. Uh, and those books are going to be called Modern Day K. And then we're working on pitching this idea to people who can help us get this story to Broadway. So we got a lot going on. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. That sounds pretty amazing. I, I, I wish you the best of luck on that. Uh, I can't even imagine. I can't even I can't even imagine what uh, that that must involve. It's a lot. Uh, we have a really neat concept guide that is uh, on our website. It's called moderndayk.com. And it's a really cool guide of, you know, the steps that we're taking and why the story should be told. It's beautiful, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's not a small undertaking at all. Now the, the book you uh, uh, picked uh, for this podcast as one of your own particular uh, favorite books is their eyes were watching God. And this was written by uh, Zora Neale Hurston. And this was first published in 1937. Now, for uh, those readers who haven't had a chance to read this, I, for me, it was a chance to reread it. Uh, but for those who haven't had a, actually had a chance to read it, can you talk a little bit of what this book is about? For me, uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God is one of my favorite books because it's all about female empowerment. And uh, I remember I got this book for the first time when I was 16 years old. Uh, my aunt wrote an inscription in the book. She's signed the book to me and said, uh, Didi, read this now and read this again when you're a woman. And what is so hilarious about that (laughs) is when I read that at 16 years old, I thought I am a woman and I had a bit of an attitude about it. (laughs) 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 And only, you know, when I got in my 20s, I mean, you know, did I realize that, of course, I wasn't a woman at 16. I was barely a woman at 21. you know, it's just one of those books that 
you could read it at every decade of your life and take away something different from it. And I, I love the story of, of Janie is the main character in the book. And there's a lot of the story is um, about her relationship with a younger man named Tea Cake. But um, what it's really about for me, and I think the reason I keep saying for me is because I've actually heard people talk about this book and everybody kind of takes away something different. But for me, what's become important in my life, and this kind of crosses over actually with the Kayla series, is that people are very, very quick to sit on their porch and stare you down and judge you. And they're really quick to tell you what they think that you should be doing with your life. And if you're not doing what they think you should be doing, they'll tell you why you're wrong for not living your life the way that they expect you to. And I love Janie, the main character in this book, that she did what she wanted to do with her life. And she really didn't care at all what other people said. And so I'm, I'm much older than my 20s now. When I was in my 20s, I still cared about what people thought about me. And that was something really, really hard to get past. And that's one of the things I love the most about Zora Neale Hurston's book is um, she, she gave us this model of this woman who's going to live life on her own terms. I know this book isn't strictly speaking a, a children's book, uh, but uh, I know, like you said, when you were 16, it, it sort of came into your life. It was a very important book. I think um, I'm, I'm trying to remember if, if it, it, that's about the same age that Janie was when we first meet her. Maybe she was a little younger. I can't remember her exact age, but she is a, a young teen. And I'm wondering when you first read it, uh, how how did you uh, relate to that book? You know, especially in the beginning of the book where there's a character who's kind of, you know, a very similar sort of uh, time of their or, or age, even though it's it's in a very different time. It's not a kid's book. And I think my aunt gave it to me because she wanted me to develop into a woman that was similar to this, who was going to, you know, carve her own path, was going to create her own way and have her own dreams. So when I was 16, I do remember reading the book, but it was difficult for me to understand that that was the, the message. Um, I got that uh, this was a woman who was highly scrutinized by people and that she didn't let that stop her. But it wasn't really until I was in my 20s that I really got the, the poetry of that. And especially too, in the time it was written. I mean, this book was written almost a hundred years ago. And um, so we see a, a lot more opportunities for not just women, but for people in general to, um, create their own, their own lives. But uh, when this book was written, people really did fit molds a lot more. And so I think at 16, it just kind of got me thinking about the kind of life I wanted to live, but I had no idea really how much of an impact that book would have on me until I was older. I know we, we, we see her through several decades of her life and, you know, different relationship with men. Not, like I said, it's not till she meets Tea Cake that she uh, finds somebody who really sort of speaks to her, although their relationship can be contentious at times. Uh, but she, she does, we get to see her from a very young age to get, so get to see her, her growth and how she, you know, learns and, 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 and finds her place in, in the world, I guess you could say. Yeah, I agree. And, and Tea Cake, I think the thing that I found interesting about that relationship is it seemed like 
it's been a while since I read it, but the way I remember it, it seems like women in this world, if you were with a man, first of all, you would be with a man, no one else. But <laughs> if you were with a man, you were either his, his maid or you were like a trophy wife. There was like no, there was no true partnership. And even though she and TK did have a contentious relationship, their relationship was different from these other molds that she had seen as her only options, her only alternatives. And I just think when you read books like that, it's so good for kind of opening up your mind and getting you thinking about the molds that you've been taught. You know, people tell us like, this is how life is supposed to look, or this is how life is supposed to be. And really, honestly, it's, it reminds me kind of like Charlene with her paintings. You know, she, she it, your life is your canvas. People don't tell you what your life should look like, what your relationship should look like. That is something that you design. And um, uh, that's really the reason why I love that book so much. I thought it was interesting, even though there are many moments in our life that are are, are are tragic and, you know, terrible things happen, Happen. she's not a tragic character and it's not a tragic novel. No, it's actually, you know, it's, uh, at the end, there's, um, she's not, a, she's not sad or defeated. She's, she's looking forward in many ways to what's going to happen next. I, I couldn't agree more. She um, she's not at all a, a character that you feel sorry for. I mean, she's she's made the most of her story. So, yeah, in the story, the book does have a tragic uh, ending, but the story is triumphant. And what is it about um, I, I, uh, that Nora Zeal, I think, as, as a writer that's kind of uh, inspired you both as a reader and as a writer uh, yourself? Well, obviously, the, the, the biggest connection for me would be that that Zora Neale Hurston was a Black woman who had the nerve to write at the time that she did. There were definitely uh, other authors at that time, and there were other Black authors before her, but it was such a rare thing to do, to have a story to tell and to put it in writing and to put it in a book. And in, in fact, her work, you know, wasn't widely acclaimed, mostly because she was a Black woman in this time. Um, I think this book was published in the 20s or the 30s. Um, uh, 30s, yeah. In mm-hmm. the 30s. And she, I don't think this book was in print for many, many years. It kind of came back later. And so for me, the thing that, that screams the loudest is that Zora Neale Hurston wanted to tell this story and did it at a time when it just was highly unusual for black women to to call themselves an author. It just reminds me when I have days and I do, I definitely do have days where I'm like, what am I doing? I think a lot of authors have this feeling of like, who am I to tell this story? And why would anybody want to hear my voice anyway? And I just think about this woman in the thirties having the nerve to tell a story. And it just, it encourages me and reminds me that um, my story is important too. A story that people are still reading even now, uh, after all this time, which mm-hmm. is not true of a lot of books true. <laughs> that are published a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm curious. I, I'm I'm always curious about titles and what they tell us about the book. And this has um, uh, this title: "Their Eyes Were Watching God." I mean, it is a, a, an actual uh, a, a line in the book describing you know. Um, uh, 
during a hurricane. But I'm wondering, did it have a particular meaning for you when you think about this book or, you know, and thinking about, I don't know, what she was trying to say by titling, you know, giving it this particular title? Mm -hmm. Well, there is a lot of talk in the book about spirituality. And I think that it's hard for me to say because I haven't really thought about it from this perspective. I probably would like to read the book again and then give you an answer on this. But if I just listen to like what I feel is probably the message, I think that a lot of people, the book is, is, is a lot about judging. And I think that probably for me, the title has to do with them keeping their eyes on a belief or spirituality or kind of like a compass, a moral compass. But you've kind of challenged me in a way. Now I kind of want to go back and read the book again and uh, really spend more time thinking about what that title actually means. Just drawing on what I do know uh, and remember about the book, I would say it has to do with a moral compass. It is interesting, though, that a book, you know, published so long ago, uh, sometimes books published that long ago can be dated and, and don't carry well. But, you know, this is something that still speaks to even modern audiences. And I think, you know, what is it that you think a, a lot of young readers who haven't encountered it, what would you tell them that, you know, read this book? Because even though it's, you know, it seems like ancient history uh, to them, that it still has value uh, to re- to um, that might have value for them. I just think the message is about who we are and what we can do with our lives don't really change. I think that as much as we know and as much as we have done and as far as we have come about accepting people for who they are, we still have so much further to go. Um, this just seems to be something that we continue to deal with, whether this book was published in the 1930s and we're about to come up on the 2030s. That's not that far away. So a hundred, a hundred years later, and we're still arguing with each other about, you know, what we can do with our own life. So it's very relevant to today because we're still raising children and telling them that they, their boundaries exist. They can only go this far. And, and really, honestly, that's not true. Um, I'm not exactly sure, you know, what it is that we're afraid of as people, letting people just grow into whoever it is uh, that they're destined to be. Um, But as I'm talking, I'm thinking about this title and I'm thinking of all the times that people have told me that I was stepping over a boundary or coming out of a box that I, you know, in my place belonged in that box. And I would like to tell them that my eyes are watching God. That's who I look to for my my guidance and my hope. And I'm not exactly sure why we as people have such a hard time with just letting people develop into whatever it is they're going to be. I think that's a great explanation of the title. That just hangs. (laughs) Well, Didi, uh, Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me both about, you know, the the Kayla Modern Day Modern Day Princess series of books and uh, the Make Away Media, and also for um, talking to me about uh, their eyes were watching God. It gave me a chance to reread the book. It's been a few years since I've read it, so thank you for taking time to talk to me about all of that today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed this talk. And and I have to say one last uh, congratulations on your daughter's Broadway 
debut. That's so exciting. Thank you so much. We just are, we couldn't be more excited. We're very proud of her. Her name's oh. Kayla Pecchioni. Did I say that? <laughs> no, no, I, I, and I forgot to ask. <laughs> yeah, her name's Kayla Pecchioni, and uh, we're just, we're, we're very proud of her. You can find more information about D.D. Cummings at ddcummings.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music titled All Together is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art was created through Canva, which can be found at www.canva.com. You can find the Dream Gardens podcast website at jleemott.com and my author website at jodyleemott.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at dreamgardensjlm. The Dream Gardens podcast is available through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading. Keep reading.